0: Will Alexei Lefranier be an impact player? Can Igor Shesturkin establish himself as one of the league's top goalies? Can the Rangers take the next step this season with a young roster? We answer all these questions, give away our preseason awards, and make our predictions for the Blue Shirts this season. Our Hall of Fame New York Post Rangers beat writer, Larry Brooks, joins us to take a deep dive into the Rangers roster and the road ahead in a shortened season. All that and more is next on the debut of season two of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post.
1: Your attention to Center Ice
2: for a special
1: presentation.
2: Ooh! Welcome to the debut of season two of Up in the Blue Seeds from the New York Post. We're back. And better than ever for season two, Larry Brooks will join us each and every week. He joins the show later on. The Rangers kick off their season on Thursday, and we have a new co-host in the building this season. It's the New York post own the great Molly Walker, and she'll join the star of the show, former Ranger, number 10, Ron Gay.
1: Well, Jake, what an intro. And I think that's that's an extension of last year in our season. I was so looking forward to getting started today, not just about the show, but the season. When I look back at last year, you and I, we had decided that if we're gonna do this, we're gonna be the best that we can be so we can bring the best show possible to our audience. And our audience has been wonderful. They've liked what we've done. We've had some really good guests. And Larry, of course, has always been really good. And then we brought in Molly on an occasion to kind of know what's going on in the Islander side. But I think I want to just take this time to just thank all of our listeners for supporting what we're doing. Because if we hadn't gotten the support, I'm not sure if we would have got started again. So because of the overwhelming support, we're back. We're excited. And Jake and I, you and I had talked. And thinking about making the show even better, we thought, what's missing? There's something that we can add. And Jake, of course, with your brilliance, you said, How about Molly? How about Molly on a regular basis? And I said, What an awesome idea. And so here she is, Molly Walker, part of our show. And Molly, we're really looking forward to having you on because last year when you were on, you brought us some really nice insight. One thing you have that I don't have, you're there. You're close to the players. You're talking to the players. So you can kind of fill us in on what's going on. So welcome to the show. It's show number one. And what are your thoughts on being part of all this?
0: Ron, Jake, I'm really happy to be here, excited to be here. Can't really believe that I'm here, you know? But I obviously had a great time every time I came on the show last season, and we always had great conversations about hockey. And I'm just looking forward to getting to do it more with both of you on a regular basis now. And, well, Ron, I guess the show is half mine now, so we got to (laughs) share.
2: And, Ron, we're excited because everyone who followed last year knows the storyline that Molly's mother, Wendy was obsessed with Ron Duguay. And now Wendy will be part of the show at some point this season. So we'll get her mom in the mix. There's a lot of middle-aged, older mothers who liked Ron Duguay as well. So that that's a storyline we'll carry through the season. And it's going to be a fun show with both you guys, a former Ranger, a Rangers insider. We're excited to have you, Molly.
0: Thank you. And, you know, like many young women in the 70s and 80s, you know, my mom was a very large Ron Gay fan, like you said, but she did like hockey as well. You know, she was a Rangers fan even before Ron came to New York. But, you know, to give everybody a visual of the Ron Gay that my mom has in her mind is I would just like you all to go to YouTube and Google the 1979 New York Rangers Sasson Jeans commercial and listen to Ron, Dave Melody, Phil Esposito, and Anders Hedberg sing in very, very tight jeans. And, you know, that's the Ron Duguay that, you know, I grew up knowing. And well, now he's my co-host in a podcast. So we're going to make some sweet podcasts together.
1: Well, we will tap into the 70s and 80s. And in fact, we'll bring your mom in to be able to talk about that because I still have more stories. I did share with a lot of you my stories of what it was like to be a New York Rangers back in the 70s and uh, going to Studio 54. So I still have more in me. And so we'll tap into that At some point later, but right now, Molly, let's get into the heart and depth of the New York Islanders. I know you've been at training camp, and for the Ranger fans, or for all fans, what should we expect? What have you seen? Is there any player that's popped out at you? What do you think we're going to see in Game 1 against the Rangers from the Islanders?
0: I mean, it's a a loaded question. You know, there's there's a lot that happened this offseason, obviously, and, you know, they lost— Henrik Lundqvist, Jesper Fast, Mark Stahl, it's a real new look Rangers. There are going to be three rookies in the lineup this season that are all going to have major roles. And Yes, maybe Igor was expected, but you know, having Alexi Lafreniere hit the scene and and Keandre Miller too, no one really expected him to make the opening night roster, and, and yet here he is. And he also might be skating on the top pair with Jacob Truba. So I think there's a lot to be excited about with this Rangers team, but there are a lot of new faces and a lot of new moving parts. So it's going to take some time to work out the growing pains, I think. But I think that especially starting the season with back-to-back games against the islanders you know there's no better way to get back into the swing of things and you know get your heart racing like a rivalry game like that
1: so you're around coach trotz what's the message coming out of coach trotz about his team
0: barry said that on his deathbed he will be seeing flashes of losing to the lightning in game six of the playoffs last season and that's a pretty pretty loaded statement coming from someone as even keeled as as barry trotz so I think that team has a chip on its shoulder coming into this season for sure. And you know, I wouldn't want to be in their way <laughs> on their journey to quote unquote climbing the mountain like Barry likes to say, but you know, he's got such a great pulse on that team and and it's a veteran squad. They're returning relatively the same group as they have the last two seasons. And then they also have their own Russian star goaltender in net. You know, Igor Shostrykin isn't the only new hot goaltender on the block. The Islanders have Ilya Sorokin too. Not only is that going to make for so many awesome storylines considering both Igor and Ilya are friends but you know it's just two young rookies starting their career in New York and the world is their oyster and we can't wait to see what goes on from here.
1: So one thing that uh, I hopefully we're not going to hear much about which is going to be kind of something that will be hidden away but COVID is real what do you know about the guidelines with COVID just to explain to everyone with with the players and the teams?
0: Uh, It's relatively the same protocols as uh, they had in the bubble you know every player every staff member anybody that's part of the traveling party is going to be tested on a daily basis. And, you know, we saw the Dallas Stars had a pretty big outbreak. There were 17 positive tests there. And the league reported a uh, a grand total of 27 positive tests, which I think is not that big of a number compared to how many tests they administered and how many. And it, it was across nine teams, I think, and there's 31 teams. So it definitely has been worse in other leagues. But I think that they're being extremely diligent. You know, they realigned the division to minimize travel i think that was a huge move that they made and i think it was the right move they're all going to be traveling very close by it's n- no crazy long layovers and such like that it just also avoids crossing into different areas of the country basically it's where everybody's in the same compacted place so they made all the necessary adjustments that they needed to to try to be as safe as possible this season but the difference between this season and what they went through in the summer bubble you know the bubble was a bubble. There was no outside contact with anybody outside of the bubble, you know. They weren't with their families, they were just with each other and again getting tested every day and it was nearly impossible. It was probably the safest place in the world. But now all especially the islanders, the islanders have so many kids. A lot of them have kids that are in school and such that you know, you don't know who they're coming in contact with on a daily basis and they're they're at their own homes so it's gonna be a lot harder to avoid testing positive for sure or being exposed at the very least. I mean hopefully everybody's safe and everybody does the best that they can but it definitely is gonna be a different circumstance and I think we'll see like in football and baseball you might have players pulled out of the lineup at the last minute because of a positive test. And that's really going to be an obstacle for, for teams to come over.
1: Now, you mentioned different players and you mentioned goaltending. And it's hard for us not to kind of look back at the past in New York Rangers, who was led by Lundqvist. And not only did we know before the season started he wasn't going to be back, but then all of a sudden we get this news that he was going to have surgery, heart surgery. And so what is it that you know about his uh, situation right now?
0: Well, I know that last week he had open heart surgery for an, excuse me, pronunciation, I'm obviously not a doctor, but it was for an aortic valve replacement, aortic root, and ascending aortic replacement. Thankfully, that was a success, but I mean, that sounds incredibly serious. Again, not a doctor, but... That just sounds like a very serious procedure to be having on one's heart. And it is such a shame that he wasn't able to join the Capitals this season. And everybody knows how excited he was for this new era for himself and a new opportunity with a new team, you know, fighting for time. You know, it wasn't just him getting pushed to the back like it kind of was with the Rangers. He had his whole opportunity in front of him and it just kind of got ripped out from underneath him. And you could really see it in the video that he posted when he made the announcement announcement how how hard it was for him to make that announcement so um, I wish him all the best but it is very unfortunate that it's come to this and we might never see him in an NHL game again unfortunately but still clinging to the possibility so we'll see
1: yeah we wish him well I know we're speaking for all Ranger fans uh, going into uh, tonight uh, Rangers playing the Islanders then they play him again so it's two games right out of the gates and the rivalry begins what do you expect to see with the eight games that they're going to play against each other? Do you think that they're going to stay focused and really just try to win games and play nice hockey, or is this going to be building up? Because I think a lot of fans want to see old-fashioned hockey between the Islanders and Rangers where they kind of get to each other with a little more passion and more aggression towards each other.
0: I think by the time we get to the sixth, seventh, eighth game of their matchups, it's it's going to get really chippy. I think that's going to naturally happen with every single team in the league, especially I know in the North Division, some teams are playing each other up to 10 times, which is just, that's just ridiculous.
1: So when you th- if you're a Ranger fan and they want to ask you, you've fallen the Islanders, wh- what's a weakness on the Islanders' side? If you can <laughs> share for us, are you seeing any kind of weakness on the Islanders' side?
0: I think that the weakness for the Islanders may be their expectations for themselves. I know we talked to Lou Lamorello on Wednesday and he said that The goal is for the Islanders to compete against themselves. They came two wins away from a Stanley Cup final last season, and no one really expected them to be in that spot for sure. So the fact that they made this name for themselves and kind of came out of the gate in the summer playoffs and were one of the toughest teams to play against, and they were the only team to make it to the Final Four that was also in the qualifying round, you know, they came the longest way. So, you know, they're built to go the distance for sure, but with that comes a lot of pressure, and it can it can get in your head. And the way that this schedule is you know shaken out for them against such a loaded East Division. I just think it's going to be tough for anybody. But if I were to pick a weakness for the for the Islanders, I would probably say their third line would be their weak spot because, you know, their fourth line is their identity line. You got the Matt Martin, Casey Zikas, Cal Clutterbuck. You know, those are three big, heavy guys that are going to set the tone early and such. But, you know, the third line is kind of still taking shape, I guess you could say. J.G. Peugeot is definitely going to be on the third line. We might see a young... Kiefer Bellows or an Oliver Wallstrom on the on the wing there and they are not as seasoned and you know they kind of need that third line to be as productive as as the rest of them they might just drop off a little bit there but who knows Kiefer or Oliver could come out in a breakout season and be their x factor too so it's it kind of teeters both ways a little bit there.
1: Yeah, so when I'm looking on the Rangers' side, you're looking at their third line, and young rookie Lafreniere will be on that third line to start the season with Philippe Hiedel. And if those two guys click, then Rangers are going to be solid on that third line. And with Miller possibly being a big defenseman. So they could be pretty solid. So from what I can tell, both teams are going to be evenly matched. When you're mm-hmm. looking in the road 56 games from now, when you think about which teams may make the playoffs, when you look at the Rangers and the Islanders, where do you have those two slotted in right now?
0: Well, <laughs> we did do our post predictions in Wednesday's edition of the post, and I have my top four of the East shaking out to be the Capitals the Bruins, the Flyers, and the Islanders. Before everybody jumps down my throat- You're that taking I off the have... show,
2: Molly, you're done. You're, you had the Ranger <laughs> missing the playoffs, you're no longer the co sorry.
0: I just, I was waiting for it, and I'm sure they will be in the comments and I might get some hate mail over the next couple of days, but I just think that the Rangers were dealt a really crappy hand this season. You know, obviously everybody's in the same boat, but the Rangers are really coming to fruition right now. The future is there on the ice, and they're in this division that is just so difficult and there is not going to be a single night off, you know, there, every game is going to count. And I just don't think that this Rangers team is built for that right now. You know, they are young some of them are inexperienced, one injury, you know, one depth taken away, it could really make them stumble in their footing and, and I guess knock them off their groove. And again, getting pounded by the Penguins, the Flyers, you know, every night is just going to be a lot for this Rangers team to handle. So we will see. Um, I would obviously love for both the Rangers and Islanders to make the playoffs, you know, that would just make my job a lot easier and a lot more fun. But I, I do think that if I'm going to have to choose between the Rangers and Islanders who's going to be in the playoffs this season. I gotta go with the veteran team right now.
1: Okay, well, I'm gonna ask you to choose right now on the Rangers side. Who do you think would end up being the MVP as a New York Ranger?
0: well, I mean, naturally Artemi Panarin was a finalist for it last season, and and I just I mean, what do you have? 95 points, right? Yeah. I mean <laughs> that's just that's what you need, and that's MVP worthy numbers. And so you don't it,
1: see it, you don't see a drop off in this game. You think he still is gonna have that same passion? Because sometimes you show up to a team and your expectations are so high that you just play to that level and you have to play to that level so you think from what you see in his personality that he's going to be the same player
0: I do I definitely do and you know he you know he really anchored that second line obviously and I know that earlier last season he had expressed how comfortable he was playing next to the next to Ryan Strom and you know since then you know Ryan Strom has not left his side and I think that's just a testament to the Rangers confidence and in, in what what he's telling them and you know knowing that he knows what's best for him and and they're thinking about sticking Kako on that second line and you know he's going to have a lot of Big shoes to fill with Jesper Foscon, but I think Panarin putting the puck right on your stick in the exact right place that it needs to be, you know, you can kind of just become an automatic point producer just that way alone. You know, that's the kind of player Panarin is. He makes the players around him Better. I don't think Strome would have gotten the contract that he did this offseason if he didn't support Panarin as much as he did. You know, he was the perfect supporting cast member. So let's go to the
1: Islanders side. Who's the player that needs to have a superstar season for the Islanders make the playoffs?
0: Oh, you really! I thought we thought this was a Rangers podcast, you know. I'm like, I'm all prepared to talk about the Rangers, and now you're putting me on the spot about the (laughs) Islanders. But I mean, I hope no one hates me for it. But I would say a real key player for the Islanders is obviously not only Ilya Sorokin because the Islanders tandem of Varlamov and. Thomas Grice last season was pretty solid. Any drop off from that just isn't ideal. And if anything, if Sorokin can be an even better player than Thomas Grice was, you know, that puts their goaltending in an even better position. Really important forward for the Islanders would probably be either J.G. Pajot, you know, just because it's his first full season on Long Island and he signed that massive six-year Extension right when he came over, and uh, he has always said that he all he wants to do is prove that he was worth that investment and prove that he was worth the Islanders going out and bringing him over. So I I think he has the mindset that he needs to, you know, have a have a really solid season. So I would say that, and like I was talking about before about him anchoring that that third line, he's he's going to be really important to them. All
2: right, Ron, we 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 got Molly's predictions. Now the world wants Ron Duguay's predictions. What do the Rangers do? Do they make the playoffs and who do you think their MVP is
0: well
1: I'm in I'm in agreement with her other than I mean I would flip it I would have the Anders finishing fifth and the Rangers finishing fourth but it's going to be such close margin because of what I've seen last year I think the Anders are probably going to play with an edge with what happened last year they were so close and when you're well coached by like you have trots He's going to make sure this team is prepared for every single game because of what they went through last year. They're going to be a better team. Rangers made the playoffs also. Now, where they were disappointed. They're going to play with an edge. And uh, so I think it's going to be evenly match. And the one thing that you have to always consider, and it's injuries, if you stay healthy and if you're a team that you think can compete, you're gonna be right there. But things happen in a game, especially within a certain season. You lose a couple of players. Let's say Rangers lose Panarin. Well, that's a different team. So assuming both teams are going to be healthy. I think those guys are both teams are going to be close to making the playoffs. I'm going to pick the Rangers because I'm a Ranger, but it's really going to be close. When I look at who's going to be the Ranger top player, I love Panarin. I think he's going to be the same guy. He came to New York with the right atmosphere, right, right attitude. Coach has allowed him to be him and he's going to perform again at that same level. So the Rangers going to be better. Third line is going to be good and defense is going to be even better. Goaltending, if it's what we saw last year, I'm I'm in agreement with uh, with a lot of people who think that they have a shot at getting into the playoffs, but I would love for the Islanders and the Rangers both teams making the playoffs.
2: And Ron, you asked the Twitter world, you know, who wins this series than the season eight games. You know, we had a couple six and two Rangers. We had six and two Islanders tweets. 5-3 5-3 and three Rangers. Isles go 8-0. and I, I can guarantee no team is going 8-0. There was eight a lot of those. Yeah, that mean, was
0: my fault for retweeting. Yeah, and there's
2: some Homer predictions in there. We could say that. So, uh, thank you to all the Homers who tweeted. Thank you to all the realists that tweeted. Mm-hmm. And also, guys, we will be having a You Got Mail segment starting next week where fans can call into the show. You can ask Ron a question. You can ask Molly a question. You can profess your love for Ron. You can profess your love for Molly. Now, we'll be selective with what voicemails we choose. If it's It's too inappropriate. You're not getting on the air. But we do want to hear from you, our loyal listeners of Up in the Blue Seats, and we're excited to hear from you. Excitement is in the air. The hockey season is here, guys. Looking forward and, you know, looking at you guys makes me realize, one, I need to lose weight. Two, I got to hit the dentist because there's a lot of white teeth in front of me between Sarah McCrory, Molly Walker, and Ron Duguay. uh, I need to fix my crooked teeth uh, to get to your level. So uh, we'll have some fun all season. Good job, guys. And we'll have some fun with a guy who's going to join the show every week. He's been covering the Rangers forever. He's a Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer for the New York Post. It's Brooksy himself. Larry Brooks is coming up next, right here on Up in the Blue Seats.
0: Joining us next is longtime Rangers beat writer for the New York Post, the great Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksie. Read his stories in the post and at NYPost.com. Larry, how are you feeling?
3: I'm actually pretty pumped <laughs> to be able to go to a game. It's been a long time, been a long few months here. Um, and it's been a long time since the Rangers have been at the Garden, right? Early March, so... I'm looking forward to it. I think everyone I've talked to around the organization and on the team is pretty pumped up about this.
0: You and me both, Larry. You know you've been covering the Rangers more than I have through training camp, so you probably have the best pulse on this team right now. For starters, Igor Shishyorkin—can he take the throne?
3: Well, I think one of the strengths of the Rangers, and and it showed. Through training camp is their goaltending and i think both shesterkin and, and Georgi have had outstanding training camps it was, as you know we were not permitted to attend training camp because of the protocol basically because of the nba and protocol it was a little bit difficult to get a real read on what was going on just watching the streaming certainly better than nothing but not anything like being there but the one thing you could see is the goaltenders and they were exceptionally sharp so I think the only question with Shosturkin is his durability. He hasn't started more than three straight games. Maybe he won't need to this year. Georgiev has never started more than three straight games in the NHL either. But with the schedule being condensed, only 56 instead of 82, maybe neither goalie will be called upon to even attempt to start more than three in a row. So I think the Rangers go into the season as strong in goal as they've been in a while. I think, you know, Henrik Lundqvist wasn't quite the Henrik Lundqvist of his prime the last few years, so there were inconsistencies in nets. I think this year it will likely uh, cut down on the inconsistency, and I think just the fact that uh, both Georgiev and, and Shesterkin move the puck so well and leave relatively few rebounds that will be a uh, great advantage to the rangers as they try and defend in their own zone
1: larry it's ron here and if i sound excited it's because i am not just because the season's about to start but the rangers are going to start against the islanders and when i'm looking at this situation because i've played the game a shortened season only 56 games and the teams are going to see each other a lot so i'm going to believe a rivalry is going to be alive and well do you believe the same thing or is it going to be just be regular hockey?
3: I think out of the gate the rivalries will be embellished. I'm I'm not sure because there was back 05 06 06 07 07 08 I think those 3 years divisional teams played each other I think eight times and I loved it. I I loved it. I think that's the way it should be. But I know there are a lot of people around the league and teams that thought that was a little bit too much. It was you know it was just too much sameness. So I'm not sure how the season's going to evolve. I think, I think Ranger-Islander games are going to be extremely meaningful. I think they're going to be passionate. It will be interesting, though, to see the absence of fans in these games, because what makes Rangers-Islanders unique is the split in the crowd. That, you know, you have at the Coliseum, 40% rooting for the Rangers, 60% rooting for the Islanders. At the Garden, it's probably 70-30 for the Rangers. But there's always noise. Regardless of which team is scoring, regardless of which team is taking the lead, there is always noise and it's, and it's a competing noise. It'll be fascinating to see these two teams and, and you know and, the, and rivals play in empty arenas. That'll be obviously unique
1: Larry, because I understand this, I know character, and I know there's going to be a premium on every game, the importance of every game, so you talk about leadership. And now this team is starting without Lundquist, starting without Foss, two really likable guys in the dressing room. And now the team, Coach Quinn talked about their captains this week. Who stands out to you? Who's going to be able to fill that void as far as the leadership and be able to know that every game, every shift is so important. Do you see any players standing out more than others?
3: Well, I think Chris Kreider stands out to me as someone who is going to take a lead role in that group. I think Jacob Truba is going to be a very important person in the locker room this year. What I'm curious is to see which of the younger generation is going to evolve. Which of those guys? Is it going to be Adam Fox speaking up? How much will a 19-year-old feel comfortable you know, how much will Alexei Lafreniere have a voice in the locker room? I, I'm looking at the younger the younger guys, Ryan Lindgren. What's his role going to be? So that's what I um, am curious. Which of the younger guys will emerge as the team leaders? And and again, it'll be a little bit different for us because normally we go into the room after the game and, and there are players there who speak for them. This year, it's going to be a couple of guys, two, three guys designated by the team to speak on Zoom. So, you, you know, you won't have this. I won't. We won't have the same feel for what's going on around the team as we normally would. But that's what piques my interest. Which are the young guys? Who are the young guys who are going to step up and take a leadership role? And I, I was actually thinking, and I wrote for tomorrow, this group kind of reminds me of the group that matured together in the 2010s, but also your group, Ronnie. You know, when you had yourself, Dave Maloney, Lucien Deblois, Pat Hickey, Mike McEwen, all those guys, and you matured as a group. When you were coming up, were the young guys in leadership roles, or did you kind of leave it to, to Phil? <laughs> you know?
1: Well, let me let me try to give you the short answer to that. I think that coaching is really important to allow the dress room to be the dressing room. And our leader was Phil Esposito, and Phil Esposito, Kenny Hodge, and some of the others, they were young at heart. And so because we got along so well, they allowed us to just go out there and just have fun on and off the ice. And uh, and so I felt very comfortable just being me and Donnie Murray. Murdoch is another guy. Uh, Dave Maloney, of course, and Grest. So I think we were, because we were allowed to be us and the seniors wouldn't put pressure on us, they weren't trying to command the room as much like Espo would speak when he needed to. I think it has a lot to do with the guys in the dressing room. And so when I think about that, and and it's been in the news this week, I want to do a follow-up. When you talk about leadership, there's been talk about bringing back Brian Boyle. Is that still in the conversation? Because I see Brian Boyle as being perfect for what's missing. One, he's big, strong, he's physical, he'll defend his players. And because he's won a Stanley Cup, he would be good for this team, you know, especially winning faceoffs. So is, can you fill us in on a little more on that and your thoughts on Brian Boyle coming in?
3: I, I think Brian's a perfect fit. The way it's been left, to my understanding, is the Rangers want to see. They're taking a, you know, wait-and-see attitude on how their fourth line looks, how their kids look. And I I would think if they're having issues, real serious issues in the faceoff circle, which they had last year, um, I think if they're having issues there, I think if their fourth line doesn't quite click and they find a void in veteran leadership, then I think there's a pretty good chance they would come back to him. But they're certainly not the only team that's interested in Brian Boyle. I I think he's going to have a choice to make. I know he he loved New York. He was very comfortable here, but he's been comfortable in a number of different places. But I I think Boyle is a perfect fit for this team.
0: Going back to the youngsters, Larry, you mentioned Alexi Lafreniere, who you so uniquely put it popped out of a pinball machine and came into the Rangers' lives. What are your expectations? You know, we saw Kako fall short of them last year as a number two pick. You know, do you think Lafreniere will be any different?
3: I have very high expectations for Lafreniere. And I think, that you know, one of the differences, obviously, that Lafreniere is not making a a cultural adjustment, uh, you know, other than moving from... The uh you know junior hockey to the NHL. It's it's he's not you know he's not moving from Finland to to the United States. I think he plays an NHL game. I think he's supremely confident. So I, I expect big things from him. I I think the question, my question about Lafreniere is when will the Rangers move him into the top six? That's really my question. And. I I don't think there's any need to force it, but I expect it to happen and I'm not sure whether it'd be sooner rather than later. Of course, you know, it depends. If they, listen, if the top two lines are clicking and everything's going and everything's going well, then there's no need to force a move. But I, I just think Le Frenier is going to demand more ice time by his play. And I and I think he's going to be a top six player before too long
1: larry i'm in agreement with you i spoke to some of my friends in in quebec my french friends who have followed this kid and essentially they're saying he's the complete package he says there's only one question on his adjustment to the nhl and how long that takes we're not sure but it's his foot speed and because i watched him i watched them play and uh and yes at the junior level looks really good but does he have Connor McDavid speed. No, not No one does really, but that's where I think he's going to need to make that adjustment and how quickly it does just a matter of time. But I think that's the only question that uh, people like myself, I'll be looking for to see how, because it's so much
3: quicker. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. I, I do. I think that's a fair point. He actually talked about today, how it's so much quicker. You have to know, you know, you have to know what play you're going to make as soon as the puck comes on your stick but everything I have heard from people is how well he adapts, how much of a leader he is, and what a special teammate he has been throughout his junior and amateur career. So I do think foot speed is is an element of the game that maybe he can improve as, as his career evolves. But I, I think he's going to be a complete package. You know, he's he's tough, strong, wants the puck, great vision on the ice. It would certainly be an advantage for the Rangers if they can keep their left wing stacked and if they can keep this three-line rotation because they're obviously a deeper team, but I do think again, I you know, it's just my feeling that Lafreniere is going to be a top six before you know sooner probably rather than later.
1: Cadre Miller, do you have uh, expectations of him uh, being a top six guy with his height and length? Uh, do you believe he's going to be a tough guy to play against?
3: He has come so far so quickly. Before their August camp, before the pre-bubble camp, I don't think anyone in the organization. Who thought he even had a chance to play for their team this year? You know, maybe in the middle of the season, but I don't think there's much expectation that Keandre Miller would be on the opening night roster. But he has looked so good in every in every test that he's taken since then. The the, the pre bubble camp, he stayed here essentially the entire summer, working out at, at the Prentice Academy, skating, and so he. I mean, he he put everything he had into this, and he had, from all accounts, an outstanding camp. Now. Again, it's training camp. They're playing, you know, he's playing against you know, Rangers. He's playing against younger guys, guys who aren't on the team. So it's, it's very hard to put into context. I know that the coaching staff and management personnel are, are thrilled with him. They're, giving him a sh- they're certainly giving him a shot. He's going to open up with uh, Jacob Truba, so he's going to be in a matchup pair. I think, I think the chances are that Lindgren and Fox will get the Barzal line, I think, most of the time. But, you know, they're going to want Trouba out there as well. I don't know. I'll say this about the Ranger defense, which is extremely young. So much about their defense is going to depend on how efficient they are when they have the puck. So many of their issues last year were created by turnovers and bad spots by one-and-done forays into the offensive zone because they're, you know, they're a team that's a skill-oriented team and this is a carryover from the days of Zuccarello and Brassard. I mean, it's just been this way for a long time in New York where they look to make the perfect play. They're always looking for the perfect play rather than being a very high-volume shot team. They're not a great possession team. They don't grind that well the hash marks. They're not not a real four-check team. They need to transform into a lot more of that. And one of the reasons is so that they don't leave their defensemen hanging. I mean, you know, the odd rushes against were the issue, the the, the bad gaps. Were the issue. In their defensive zone, they actually had reasonable structure and was much better the second half of the year when Shusterkin and Georgiev started playing more because there were fewer rebounds and the goaltenders were better at moving the puck. So I think that, you know, it's a very young defense. You know, we we kind of go in thinking that Lindgren and Fox are just going to continue to ascend, but everyone knows the second year is very difficult for defensemen. And this is their second year. Miller, obviously a rookie, their third pair with D'Angelo. No longer Mark Stahl there, so the defense is going to be an issue. But the defense is going to start with how well they play with the puck, what they do with the puck when they have possession.
0: Larry, before we let you go, you and I had our predictions printed in Wednesday's edition of the New York Post, and you have the Rangers coming in fourth of the East Division. Just curious, what's what's your reasoning behind it?
2: Well,
3: I, I, first of all, I hope that was printed in invisible ink. The entire, you know, the entire, <laughs> the entire section. Um No, I, I think they're there to compete. I, I think I think there's a lot of talent. I look at the rest of the division, and uh, you know, there are bigger name teams there, but I'm, I'm not so sure that that Pittsburgh is guaranteed a spot. I look at Pittsburgh's team, and of course there's Crosby, and of course there's Malkin, but but the depth isn't real strong. We don't know about the goaltending situation. Washington's an older team. I don't think Boston. I, I don't think Boston is the same powerful group they've been in a while i think there i i think there is a spot there to be taken and certainly the islanders you know have just as good a shot as the rangers do gotta watch out for buffalo you know i don't think the rangers are any kind of a lock i think they have a real good chance i their goaltending. I just love their goaltending. And I think that sets them up for a pretty big year.
0: Well, Larry, it's always great to talk hockey with you. Can't wait to get back into the rink with you. Let's let this sprint of a season begin, huh?
3: Thanks, Molly. Same here.
0: That seals the deal for episode 39, the Doug Waite edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Go into Apple Podcasts now and give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review. We appreciate your support. For Ron Duguay, I'm Molly Walker. We will return each and every Thursday, all season long. Until next Thursday, enjoy the first week of Rangers games. Thanks for listening and stay safe.